he can do what only he is capable of. I've seen that in my own life, and I'm so very thankful for it. Everybody take your Bibles. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 is what we'll be looking at this evening. Um, I'm so thankful to be able to come and share with you the truth of the Word of God tonight for several reasons. Number one, I'd rather preach the truth of the Word of God than eat when I was hungry. And so I know that's what the Lord has called me to do. And sometimes I wonder, you know, why in the world He did that. But I'm thankful for His grace. I'm thankful for His mercy. I'm thankful that He allows me the great privilege of sharing truth straight from the pages of the Word of God. And that's what I love about being a pastor. You know, as long as I stick with what God's Word says, then I know every time I stand before you, I give you truth that can set us all free. Can you say amen? And so uh, that, uh, that fires me up every time I think about the great privilege and, and the opportunity I've been given to share God's, God's truth with you. Also, I know beyond the shadow of any doubt what we're going to study tonight will make a positive impact on your life for the kingdom of God if you'll hear this truth and heed this truth. If you'll hear it and then apply it, I can promise you it's going to help us all be better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's not only true for tonight, but it's certainly true for tonight, all right, in, the, in what the, the Bible gives us right here in the last parts of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. So I'm excited about what the Lord has for us. The Bible is a book of principles, and if we choose to apply these principles to our lives, then we can be what God has created us to be. We can fulfill the purpose that he saved us to fulfill. And man, he lays it out so plainly for us right here in his word. So what I want to do this evening is just read for you 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, starting with verse number 12, and we'll read through the end of the chapter, verse number 20. So let's read together. Look what it says. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, But I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and belly for the meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will will also raise us up by his own power. Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ. If you believe that tonight, say amen. That we as individual members are a part of the body of the Lord Jesus. That's very important that we see that this evening. Look what else he says. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? He says, God forbid. What? Know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined in the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication... Sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your own body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Somebody ought to say amen right there. (laughs) The reason being, the Bible is telling us that God the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of every believer. That means if you've placed trust in Christ and you've been born again into the family of God by grace through faith, that God lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You are now the dwelling place of God. Everywhere you go, believer, he goes with you. Everything you do, not only he's with you, but it affects him and his work in your life. And I think that's the point that Paul is making. Let's go on. Watch what else he says. He says then, um, 
Know you not that your body is a temple of, of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Now watch this. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Let's pray together. Father, again, we love you. And I'm so thankful this evening that you're enough that we can trust you. I'm thankful for the truth that's already been saying tonight. God, we're, we praise you for who you are and for what you've done in our lives. Um, Lord, I'm thankful this evening that you've given me the great privilege of standing before these people with an open Bible, with the truth of your word. And Lord, I realize that I can do absolutely nothing effectively without you. Lord, if you don't do the work, the work will never get done. So Lord, we're asking that you would move me out of the way this evening, that you would fill me up with your power and pour me out into the lives of these people so that your truth may go forth. Your word tells us that when your word goes out, it don't come back void, that it goes out and accomplishes what it's meant to accomplish. And so, Lord, I'm asking that clearly, plainly, effectively, would you share your truth through me. Lord, I want to be your mouthpiece this evening. I don't want it to be my words but yours. Holy Spirit, have your way and will, and we pray you do your work in the hearts and lives of people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, we said last week at the end of last week's Bible study that there are a lot of things in the Word of God that we know we shouldn't do. I mean, and a lot of things that we know we should do. I mean, the Bible gives us a lot of it. Um, let me give you just a few that you'll certainly remember. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. And so what's that mean? Well, right there in black and white, it says you shouldn't be telling lies. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. And so what's that mean? Well, right there in black and white, it tells us that we shouldn't be taking things that don't belong to us. The Bible tells us a lot of things that we shall not do and a lot of things that we shall do or we should do. The Bible says that we should honor the Lord our God and put Him first in our lives. And the Bible says that we should do things and we should not do things and a lot of things are written out expressly in the Word of God and we don't even have to question it. Would you agree with that? If we know the Bible is the absolute truth of the Word of God, then we know in black and white there's things written out that we should or should not do. However, there are a lot of things that we should or should not do that are not written down on the pages of Scripture. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean, the Bible is never going to tell you that you shouldn't go to an X-rated movie. It's not going to say that. You say, Russell, why don't it say that? Well, it don't say that because in that day when the Bible was written, there were no X-rated movies, right? The Bible is not going to expressly say you shouldn't drive 110 through a school zone. You know, it's not going to say that. Now, should we be doing that? Well, of course not. Of course not. But there's going to be a lot of things that you deal with day by day that is not going to expressly in black and white be put on the pages of Scripture. That's why I tell you, the Bible is not just a book with rules in it. Yeah, it has some rules. But more important than that, it has principles in it. It's a book of principles that we are to apply to our lives and then live it out by faith day by day. If God put everything we were to expressly do in black and white or not do on the pages of Scripture, it'd take a tow truck to haul around the Bible. So what God does, he gives us principles that applies to every area of our life. I mean, we looked at some last week in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, that we know we shouldn't do. God says, if, if, you're, if this is a pattern of your life, 
and God's not convicting you or chastising you, then he says in verses 9 and 10, these things are telling you you're not really a child of God. Let's just go back and look at those before we go any further. Look at, look at verses 9 and verse number 10 of um, 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So there are a lot of things right there that the Bible says this shouldn't be in your life. And if it is in your life, as a believer, you need to get it out of your life. Amen. You need, you need to repent, confess your sins, and, and, and turn to the Lord. No doubt about that. It's not that the believer can't fall into those things. They can. But if they do, two things will always happen. There will always be conviction of the Holy Spirit. And there will always then be, if you don't heed the warning, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, there'll be chastisement in your life. So again, the Bible gives us rules. But more importantly, he don't just give us rules in the scripture, but he gives us principles. So let me ask you something. How do we make right decisions on the things that are not expressly written in the word of God? How do we do that? How do we daily please the Lord with a holy, acceptable life unto him when everything is not written out in black and white? You might want to call them the gray areas because... Maybe there is some, all right? How do we make wise choices in those areas? Well, I think that's what Paul is dealing with right here in 1 Corinthians 6 and on throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, and we'll look at that this evening. I want to give you five ways. Well, let's just make it six ways. I want to give you six ways that we can know we're making the best choice as believers. We're doing things in our lives that honor God, all right? So, first of all, we need to ask, our question, ask ourselves this question. Is it expedient? Look at verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians 6. All things are lawful unto me. Now, what Paul is saying here is he's making it clear to the church at Corinth, just like he made it clear to the church at Galatia, for those who were here for our study of Galatians, we are no longer under the Mosaic law. That's not what makes us right with God. Not that there was something wrong with the law, but the law just showed us there's something wrong with us. That we are sinners standing in need of a Savior, and it's only by the grace of God that we can be forgiven and made right, justified in God's eyes, and made a part of His family. Paul is saying, we're no longer under the law. We're no longer under the Mosaic law. But he says this, but all things are not expedient. So we can't just look back at the do's and don'ts and say, okay, I've, I've checked this, this one off and that one off and I've done this and I've not done that and everything's okay. He said, that's not how we operate. We are under grace. Somebody say amen for that. I don't know about you, but that blesses my soul. We are under grace. But he says, even though I'm no longer under that form that system of law that was under the old covenant in the old testament he says even though that's true not all things are expedient for me so let's define the word expedient what does it mean when he says we need to make sure what we're doing is expedient well the word expedient comes is derived from the greek word in the new testament some hero some hero it's it's mentioned many times Throughout the New Testament, it means to be helpful or profitable. I was just thinking today, as I was preparing for this message, 
There's a new travel company out now. Some of you probably heard of it. Maybe you've used it. It's called Expedia. Any of you ever went on Expedia.com and planned your trip? And I actually went on there today and I looked at what it said on there. And it said three things after the word Expedia. It said flights, motels or hotels, and then it said cars. And so really what Expedia does, they are helpful in getting you to the destination that you desire to be at. They're helpful um, in, in not only getting you to the destination, but helping you enjoy the journey getting to where you want to go. And, and so that's what expedience really is. What does it mean to be expedient? Is it helpful? Is it profitable? Because all of us as believers have a goal that we're working towards. Do you know that? I believe in being goal-oriented in every area of your life. You ought to set for yourselves goals that you want to achieve. Listen, at your workplace, in your family, certainly in your walk with Christ. Now, what is the main goal for absolutely every believer? What is the destination that we ultimately want to get to? Well, I'll tell you. What we really want to do as believers is become like the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's my goal. You said, brother, I thought your goal was heaven. Listen to me. What I do and don't do has no determination on whether or not I'm going to be in heaven. That's all by God's grace. Salvation is a free gift given to me. Eternal life is a free gift given to me when I trust by faith in who Jesus is. I've told you once, I'm going to keep telling you, listen to me, good works are not the reason for salvation, but the result of salvation. I don't work to get saved, I work because I am saved. And that's true for every believer. After we're born again, after we receive this free gift by grace through faith, oh listen to me folks, then our goal is to become more like Christ each and every day. Now I know one day that's finally going to culminate when I get in heaven. When I, when I enter into my glorified body. Praise the Lord. The Bible says I will be just as he is. Praise God. But that process began at the moment I trusted in him as Savior and was indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. God began working on me, working in me, and working through me to cause me to be conformed to the image of his Son according to Romans 8.29. So my ultimate goal is to be like Jesus. And whether you realize it or not, that should be your ultimate goal as a believer, to be like Jesus. Christ. That's our destination. Now, what Paul is saying is it, whatever it is that you're thinking about doing or wondering whether you should do it or not do it, you need to ask yourself, is it helpful? Is it profitable in getting you to your destination and helping you along the way? Is it? We got to ask ourselves that. There's many other times the word um, some hero, the Greek word is used throughout the, the New Testament. One of them I think we need to make note of because it'll put it in proper context for us is over in the book of John, chapter number 16, verse number 7. Those of you who were with us for the study of John, we spent a lot of time in 
John 14, 15, 16, and 17, the Olivet Discourse, when Jesus was given his final directions, his final words to his disciples before he went to the cross. And in John chapter 16, he's talking about um, the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says something in John 16, 7, watch this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient, there's the word, for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, Watch what he says. I will send him to you. So what Jesus is saying is, it's actually profitable or helpful that the comforter comes to you. When I go away, I'm going to send him to you. The comforter is going to be the one that will help you along your way. It will help you get to your destination, which is to ultimately be like Christ. So we got to ask ourselves, is what we're doing as believers is it helping us along the way? Is it getting us to our destination to be like Jesus? Let me ask you a question. Is there anything wrong with a 100-pound dumbbell? Is there? Well, it depends on what your goal is. If my goal is to run a 100-yard dash as quickly as I possibly can, is it going to be expedient for me to pick up a 100-pound dumbbell and put it on my shoulder while I run? Is that going to be helpful? Is that going to be profitable to help me along the way and reach my goal? To be as fast as I can possibly be? Probably not. See, there's a lot of things in our lives that may not be necessarily wrong, but they can certainly be a waste of time and hold us back from being all we can be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? So Paul asked the question, is it expedient? We need to ask the question, is it expedient? Whatever it is that I'm choosing to do as a believer, is it helping me along the way and getting me closer to my goal, which is to be like Jesus? That's the first thing he asked, the, the, the principle of expedience. Let's, give, let's look at another one. Then we need to ask ourselves, well, whatever it is, Will it enslave me? Look at the last part of verse number 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul said, look, I'm not under a set of rules and regulations. I'm under grace, but I'm going to make sure whatever I choose to do, is not, I'm not going to come under the power of it. I'm not going to allow that to control me. As a believer, who should be in control of our life? As a believer, who should be in control of our lives? As a believer, who should be in control of our life? As a believer, who should be in control? I'm going to keep going to everybody answer. As a believer, who should be in control of our life? Oh, you're right. Jesus, God, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit, all three are right answers. All three are one. Jesus is Lord. Jesus lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. We ought to recognize the Lordship of Christ in our lives. We should not allow anything else to be in control of us. Paul puts it like this. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Do not be drunk with wine, verse number 18, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Don't allow anything to control you or to have control that only belongs to 
the Holy Spirit of God, God in your life, Christ in your heart. Amen? So we got to ask the question, is whatever it is we're doing, will it, will it enslave us? Or whatever we're questioning, does it have the ability to enslave us? Now the truth is, we don't just have a goal in Christ, but we have, we have been set free in Christ. Amen? John chapter 8 and verse number 36 says, Whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. One of my favorite verses. I love that. And, and I love it because I remember where I was pre-Jesus. Before I come to faith in Christ. I thought I was so free to do what I wanted. And I hear people talking about it all the time now. I mean, they talk about... Um, you know, their freedom as far as free love, free sex, free whatever. They, they can do whatever they want. And they feel like they have absolute freedom. Nobody, nothing can tell me what to do or what not to do. What I know to be true and what I see in the lives of others are those who boast of their freedom are under the worst kind of bondage. See, for me, pre-Jesus, I was free to do what I wanted to do. But I was never free to do what I ought to do. I was never free before I trusted in Christ, before I was born again, I was never free to actually live the life God created me to live. I was never free to actually fulfill the purpose He had for me in my own life. That's why I keep telling God's got purpose for us all. But you can't realize that purpose until you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Amen? I was free to do what I wanted, but the problem was my wants were controlled by the old sinful nature that I was born with. The fallen nature that, that went completely 180 degrees away from God in rebellion. Free to do what I wanted, but not free to do what I ought to do. And what I ought to do, what you ought to do, is live the life God has planned for you, has, where He has purpose for you. Live the life that He created you to live, and that can only happen when you get freedom in Jesus. Amen? Now, what Paul is saying, now that you've been set free in Christ as a believer... Be careful that you don't bring yourself back under the bondage of anything. And if it brings you back under bondage, if it has the power to enslave you, then leave it alone. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Don't allow anything to steal the freedom that has been purchased for you in Christ. See, to be free outside of Jesus, pre-Jesus, I was free to do what I wanted to do, but and, and listen, I was free to sin, but I was not free not to sin. I wouldn't. 
And sin took me further than I ever wanted to go. Me and a brother in Christ was just talking about that very thing today, how that happens. Let me tell you what happens when you dibble and dabble in sin that has the ability to enslave you. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. And it'll happen so fast, you'll wonder how you got to where you are. Look at our country. I'm amazed at what's going on in the country I love. Amazed. How did we get here? I'll tell you how. One small compromise after another. Until now, we've been on the slippery slope so long, we've slid so far away from what we used to be. That don't only happen as a nation. Folks, that happens to individuals if we allow things that enslave us to enter our lives. So Paul said, all things may be law for me. I'm not under the Mosaic law anymore. I'm not under a set of rules and regulations. I'm under grace. But I, I, I'm always going to be wondering if what I'm doing has the power to enslave me. And if it does, I'm going to leave it alone. Let me give you a third principle. We got to ask the question, not only, listen, is it expedient? Will it enslave? Number three, what kind of an example Am I setting by doing whatever it is I'm thinking about doing? What kind of example? Look what the Bible says in verse number 15 of chapter 6. Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ? No, I, I pointed this out a moment ago for this purpose. You know that we are the body of Christ. And we're going to find as we go along in 1 Corinthians, when we get to chapter 12, you'll find that we are many members that make up what? One body. And all of us have been baptized in Jesus. <laughs> Amen? By the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. One spirit baptized us all. Many members that make up one body. And as we are many members in one body, listen, each member affects the others. Am I right? See, you may not even realize it, but I promise you, if you claim the name of Jesus, you have influence. You do. You are influencing others whether you realize it or not. You may, you may not think so. You say, well, brothers, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I promise you, if you claim the name of Jesus, people all around you are taking inventory of your life. They're looking at the decisions and the choices you make because what people really want to see is the real thing. They do. And I don't know about you, but that convicts me. Matter of fact, before I came out here to preach this sermon to you, I, I took inventory of my own life. And the truth is, 
There have been times in my walk with Jesus I was not the example I should have been. All of us, if we're honest, could probably say that. But, listen to me. Paul is saying, we need to keep this in the back of our mind as we make these decisions and choices daily. See, you may answer the question, is it expedient? You say, well, maybe it's, it's, not, it's not exactly helpful, but it's not hurtful. You may say that. Okay, so you, that passes the expedience test. And then you say, you know what? It, it don't enslave me. I can control it. It, it, it. It's not that big of a deal to me. Well, let me ask you something. It may not be a big deal to you, but what kind of an example are you setting for others? That's what Paul is saying here. Some of the best commentary, well, not some of, but the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God itself. So let's look at some good commentary on 1 Corinthians chapter 6 all the way over in Romans chapter 14. Let's go to Romans 14, and I'll look at just three or four verses here before we go any further. The Apostle Paul is dealing with something at the church at Rome um, that goes right along with what we're talking about tonight. Romans 14, and we're going to start please, in verse number 10. Let me give you just a little bit of background, though, on what's going on. There were some people there who were discussing on what Christians should eat and drink is basically the same thing that's going on. Some were eating food that had been offered to idols, and some of the, some of the Christians there at Rome, they said, you know what, we were, we, came, we were saved out of pagan religions where they offered this food to idols, and, and we don't think it's right for any Christian who names the name of Jesus to eat this food. And some of the other Christians were like, hey, man, this is just free food, you know. Hey, God made everything, and as long as I'm giving thanks for it, I don't see anything wrong with eating the food. So look how Paul puts it. Watch. Verse number 10. He says, but why do thou judge thy brother, or why doest thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So he, he puts it pretty plain. He says, be careful in your judgment of another brother or sister. Be careful of that. Why? Because all of us will one day stand before Jesus. You know what I've come to find out? I have enough of a problem taking care of me, judging me, looking at me, that I usually don't have time unless I make time to judge someone else. And so what Paul says is, you better be careful about that. He puts it even plainer in verse number 14, or excuse me, verse number 13. So let's not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So Paul says the, the, the question here is not whether or not I should judge my brother or my sister. The question is, what about myself? How am, how am I causing somebody else to stumble? That's the real question. He's talking about example. The truth is, we're all an example. We're just a, we're either a good one or a bad one. Right? Every one of us. Whether it be at our workplace or our church or our home or wherever, we're all being an example. The decisions and choices we make 
determine whether or not we're a good example that's pointing people to Jesus or we're a bad example that's pointing people away from Jesus. And so Paul says what we really need to think about is what kind of an example I'm being. Am I being a stumbling block? Because I don't want to do that. How about you? I don't want to keep someone from Christ. I don't want someone to look at me and say, if that's a preacher, the woods are full of them. Y'all heard that? I've heard that before in my life. I don't want that said. Now, some people are going to say it no matter what you do. You know what? Some people are just going to be mean, cantankerous. Some people are just evil. And how they talk, what they say. Some people are going to be against everything. They're habitual againers. I told a brother that one day, man, he was, we was riding together all day in a church uh, in a truck. And I said, man, I'm going to tell you something. You are a habitual againer. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you live your life to be against everything. Some people are that way. Some people are that way. But don't give them an excuse. That's what Paul is saying. Don't be a stumbling block. Let's go on. Look at it, verse number. Let's just read on through. Verse 14. I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. To him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. He said, look, if it convicts you, then no matter what anybody else says, then it's unclean to you. So if it offends you to eat food offered to idols, and you can't in good conscience do so, leave it alone. He goes on to say this, watch. Verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with the meat... Thou walkest not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for, for whom Christ died. So he says, even if you think it's all right and your conscience don't convict you over you eating meat offered to idols, if it offends your brother, if I'm sitting there eating the steak off the bull that was just offered to a false god and Shane walks in, and I know Brother Shane does not like anybody eating food offered to idols because he was saved out of a pagan religion, and I just keep smacking on that steak, Paul says, don't do that. Don't offend your brother. Don't cause that man to stumble. I might have influence in Shane's life, right? And just so I can please the flesh is not a good reason for me to cause that brother to stumble. That's not what this is about. Let's go on. Watch this now. He says, verse 16, Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said, really, we're all thinking about the wrong stuff. We're all worried about the wrong things. We're all trying to judge somebody else over the wrong thing. Let's go on. Verse number 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things therewith one may edify another. For meat destroys not the work of God, all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor any other thing, whereby thy brother stumbleth, it is not offended, or is, or is offended, or is made weak. So he says, you know what? If drinking wine or eating meat is going to offend my brother, I'm not going to do either of those things because my main goal is to make sure he don't stumble or she don't stumble. I want to be a good example. That's what he's saying. So anything that we're doing, we've got to ask ourselves, am I being a good example? We've got to ask ourselves, does it pass that test? 
Now, I know what some people may think. Well, Brother Israel, don't we have freedom to live our lives? Well, sure you do. But Jesus is Lord. Don't we have freedom in the body of Christ? Sure you do. Sure you do. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, love edifies. Amen? We'll get to that next. The principle of example, very important one. I want to close with verse number 21 from Romans 14. Brother, have you got that there? Let's look at that real quick. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor any other thing whereby make your brother stumble or is offended or is made weak. Let's go to the next verse. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he allows. So what Paul is saying is, if you can't eat or drink whatever it is in good faith, without God the Holy Spirit convicting your heart, then leave it alone. He said, well, brother, what, what about so-and-so over here, so-and-so over there? It's not about judging your brother. Is it? It's about looking at yourself. How am I causing someone to stumble? How am I pointing someone to Jesus or away from Jesus? You see what I mean? All right. So is it expedient? Will it enslave? What kind of example am I showing? Number four, does it edify? Does it edify? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 23 says that all things are lawful, but not all things will edify. Did any of you know what an edifice is? Edifice is just a fancy word for a building. And so really what Paul is saying is, we've got to ask ourselves the question, is what I'm doing building people up, working on the body of Christ in a positive way, or is it not? <laughs> Does it help build someone up or tire someone down? We've got to ask ourselves that. Don't you love being around people who edify, who build you up? I love being around people who walk in the joy of the Lord, who like to have a good time, who enjoy the truth of the Word of God. I like talking about deep things of God with brothers and sisters in Christ and just having fun with that. You know what I'm talking about? I love that. Man, I, I get up early in the morning for that stuff. I enjoy it. I enjoy being around people who walk around with a smile on their face. You know? Who like to have fun. Can I say something to you? Some of the dullest. Some of the most cantankerous people I've ever met in my life sit on church pews every Sunday. My gosh. If we can't walk in the joy of the Lord and have some good old-fashioned fun, then who can? I don't like being around people who don't like to have a good time. I'm, I'm betting that a lost and dying world don't like being around people who don't have to, like to have a good time either. I remember years ago we had a, a thing here at the church for our kids. In the middle of the summer, we're going to do it again in a few weeks. See if we can't make some more, man. But we, we had a big water slide out behind the church. And there's kids out there, man, everywhere, sliding down that thing on soap suds, 
And I hit it a few times, and after almost killing one of the kids, sliding into them, I decided it was probably time for me to stop. My apologies, Brother Roy, for running over your son. But we was all having a good time. And I had someone walk up to me, and she said, Pastor, do you really think it's a good idea for all these people to be out here with their shirts off in the churchyard? That's the way she said it. In the churchyard, sliding on this plastic. I said, I think it's a fantastic idea. Why don't you try it? <laughs> nothing was being done out of the way. Nothing was, nothing was um, offensive. There's a difference. And we certainly look to that. I usually try to tell our kids before they come to things like that, if you can't picture me wearing it, you don't wear it. That usually solves it. If you can't see me in that pair of shorts, you don't wear the pair of shorts. But come on, man. Some people are like a breath of fresh air when you're around them. Just, in, just walking in the joy of the Lord, enjoying, enjoying the abundant life of Christ. I love those folks. Some people are like a drink of water to a drowning man. They walk around like they baptized in pickle juice, mad at everybody, got the old uh, Eeyore attitude, there ain't nothing right, everything's wrong, ain't nothing ever going to be right. It's like in those cartoons, the guy that's always walking around, he's got the little uh, cloud over his head, and it's always raining on him. That's how they act. Don't tear down. Build up. Edify. Edify. Listen, make sure what we're doing, the manner of life in which we live, let's edify one another. Let's build one another up. It's very important. We've got to ask ourselves that question. Um, number five, does it exalt? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's good, isn't it? He said, whatever it is you're doing, if you can't do it and it glorify the Lord, it exalt the Lord, then don't do it. That's, that's the test. That's the test. Um, Dr. Charles Spurgeon said something that I thought, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, you know, what's he saying? Charles Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers, one of the greatest preachers of the Word of God that um, has probably ever walked the face of the earth. He said something to one of his church members who was getting on him pretty good because he enjoyed cigars. And he said something to her I'll never forget. He said, Sister, I intend tonight to smoke a good cigar to the glory of God. You say, Brother Israel, do you think it's wrong for Charles Spurgeon to smoke cigars? I'm not Charles Spurgeon's judge. 
I'm not called to judge my brother. Right? None of us are. What we're called to do is look to ourselves. Charles Spurgeon was asked once by a local newspaper, do you think it would ever be sinful for you to smoke a cigar? He said, if it's in excess. And so they asked him, then what would be in excess? He said, one in each hand. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. We need to make sure we ask ourselves with our relationship with the Lord, is this pleasing to God? Is this helping others? Let God be the judge of someone else. Are you getting what I'm saying? All right. The last one. By doing what I'm doing, does it evangelize? Can I point people to Jesus by doing whatever it is I choose to do? Verse 32 of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Verse, the next verse, verse 33. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that what? They may be saved. What's he saying? He said, whatever I do, I want to make sure I'm doing it so that men, women, boys, and girls might be saved. If it offends my brother or causes my brother to stumble, then guess what? I don't want to do it. According to the scripture, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a stumbling block to them. I promise you, if we'll take this truth and apply it to our life, it'll make all the difference. I heard a story one time about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered the known world by the time he was 33. And then, uh, history tells us that he sat down and wept because he had no more worlds to conquer. And so Alexander the Great hated a thief. It was said that he hated a thief more than anything else. And under his command, there was a soldier who was caught stealing. And so the general who caught the soldier brought him to Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was standing there and he said, Soldier, what's your name? And the soldier said, Well, my name is just like yours. It's Alexander. And he said, Soldier, you either need to change your name or change your ways. Folks, if we claim the name of Christ, then we got to change our name or change our ways to be pleasing unto what He wants. Does this make sense to you? Any comments or questions before we close? prayer request this evening okay anyone else